I challenge you to a duel. Hello and welcome to this very special bonus episode of the Movie Duel podcast. Ordinarily on the Movie Duel podcast, myself and my co-host pick a subject that's based around movies and then we each pick a film that we think best represents that subject. But on this episode we're taking a break from that format and uh, presenting you with a review of 2023 so far. And joining me on this episode is original co-host Movie Duel co-founder Liam uh, who is back seemingly from the dead to uh, talk us through what he's seen so far in 2023 and obviously my choices as well anything that uh, that I've been viewing so far this year and um, what we thought of them uh, so before we get into that just a very quick reminder about how you can get in touch with us here at Movie Jaw Podcast uh, you can join uh, our Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash Movie Podcast uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at MovieJewelPod. And you can also contact us on email at MovieJewelPodcast at gmail.com. So without further ado, uh, let's head on to the main presentation. Well, look who decided to show. So, ladies and gentlemen, something told me that it was inevitable that someday you'd come walking back through my door. Mr. Liam, welcome back to the Movie Duel podcast. Thank you for the Indiana Jones reference. And it's good to be back. It's good to be back, my friend. Uh, you know what you were doing. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll not reference no. the uh, slightly dodgy yeah. uh, dialogue that's yeah. in that scene. As yeah, well. we, we won't go there. Everybody, everybody brushes over. Yeah, <clears throat> it's fine. <clears throat> Nonce. Yeah. <laughs> hey, he's Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Yeah. Dr. Jones. Um, <laughs> so welcome back. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you, mate. Um, thank you for having me back. Um, That's uh, all right. I'm good. I hope you're doing okay as well. Um, it has been a while. Yeah, it certainly has. It certainly has. So uh, uh, last time you were here with me, when you ceremoniously dumped me, um, we were discussing the best and some of the worst of 2022 mm. um and i've invited you back to do our, our second bonus episode which is uh, a review of 2023 so far yeah part one so, of 2023 are there any films from 2022 that you've uh, you've sort of caught up on anything that you've uh, you sort of missed from the back end of last year that uh, that you've watched um yeah i was saying earlier that i've been pretty shit at watching stuff lately um but I did manage to watch uh, Banshees of In Inner Sharon. Mm -hmm. uh, it yeah. came on Disney Plus, so I was very interested to watch that because I do like Martin McDonough and um, Colin Farrell and, and all that, and uh, I really enjoyed it. I um, I don't think it was as enjoyable as In Bruges, but it's not that kind of no. film. It's quite sort of depressing in a way, um, but I like that stuff, and I mm. really enjoyed the cinematography and the acting. I thought Colin. Farrell was brilliant. He was like the best thing in it. Him and that donkey. 
were, yeah. fan- were fantastic. <laughs> and um, I wish I knew the lady's I'm name. I'm not putting my donkey outside when I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> my donkey's dead. He choked on your fat fucking fingers. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Um, but um, the the lady who plays his sister as well, Colin Farrell's sister, she was she was fantastic as well. Um, mm. I really, really enjoyed that. It was, um, yeah. It was it was a sad and sweet film at the same time. It was, um, you know. Yeah, I think yeah. I'd, you know, I I wouldn't say it deserved as high a praise in my opinion that it that, that it got. Um, I did find it a little bit boring in places. I don't think Brendan Gleeson was great in it. He was a little bit. I suppose it was his character, but yeah, yeah. I don't think, yeah. Yeah, I he wasn't in it a great deal. I think it was really Colin Farrell's movie, to be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I I do think it fits his character though, Brendan Gleeson, like the way he is and how standoffish he is and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw. I mean, I got a couple of um, caught up on a couple sort of start of the year from the back end of last year. The menu, um, which I would thoroughly recommend, um, and as a lot as with a lot of the films that we discussed last time for 2022, it's one of those that really um, you don't want to watch too much in terms of trailers and read yeah. too much about him. Um, but the menu, really strong recommendation. I've uh, I've been recommended. That's been recommended to me um, by other people as well. But I always get around to it when I get around to it. Um, but I've heard I've heard it's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then just to, to reel off a few others, smile. Um, I caught up on start of this year, which was okay, better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, but it's it's pretty much it follows, but with smiley people. Yeah, I uh I I enjoyed it and I will agree with you it is basically it follows. It kind of felt like Blumhouse does it follows. Um mm. not quite as good. But um I thought the direction was really strong and um obviously that that it was creepy in parts and the music was good. Um and I thought Kevin Bacon's daughter was really good. Can't remember her name. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm just going to call her Kevin Bacon's daughter. Um Junior Bacon. Junior Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, I did enjoy it. I think it was far too long for for that kind of movie, for that basic concept. It was like I think it was over two hours Ooh, long. God, yeah, 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 yeah and it um, and it was a bit predictable as well. But um, I I did enjoy it. I I thought it was creepy, and you know, for for what it was, it could have been a lot yeah. worse. Yeah, I also got caught up with the MCU from the back end of last year. Black Panther, yeah. Wonder, Wonder Forever, fucking hell. Black Panther. <laughs> Wonder uh, <laughs> uh, Spawn <laughs> uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which was it was it was pretty bland. But the, how they weaves in obviously the death of Chadwick Boseman was was really well done, and um, the emotional side of the film was really good and and really strong performances. But the action and the story was just pants, uh, yeah. really boring. Um, but I mean it, it, the best, and I would have added it into my top five from last year. Uh, is uh, Bones and All, mm. uh, which I was just blown away by, and I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did. I knew roughly what it was about, but it's still very shocking. And some of the performances, especially Mark Rylance, yeah, are just fantastic. And if he doesn't creep you out, there's something wrong with you. Mm. I, I, that's a very strong recommend from 2022, Bones yeah. and All. 
I, I really want to watch that. And that's one of the instances where it's a film that I saw the trailer, recommended it to you, and you watched it before me because I never get around to it. Um, <laughs> but it's on Prime now, uh, so I'm probably going to watch it this weekend. Get it watched. Um, yeah, I really do because I really like Mark Rylance. And uh, the trailer, if nobody's heard of it, go watch the trailer because the trailer itself is really creepy. And mm. I'm hoping that that's the sort of tone that you're going to get with the movie. Um, cause oh, it's unbelie- unbelievable. Yeah. I'd... You know, I'd I'd put it pretty close to the top of my list for last year if I'd have seen it before we did that episode. I thought it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant, and it's coming of age as well. Which yeah, you know. I do love. Yeah, I do love that. So <laughs> I'm. It's on my list, and I will be not in a creepy it. way. No. <laughs> <laughs> so Ooh. on to 2023. Yeah. So have you watched much from uh, any new a lot of new stuff this year? I've not watched a great deal i've been to the cinema a few times uh once with you to start off the year oh yeah yeah um i've mainly been keeping busy doing work and other things and mainly just re-watching stuff that i've already seen because of its mm-hmm. comfort uh so i've been re-watching ash versus evil dead because the new evil dead was coming out <laughs> so i was getting my evil dead fix. a lot of, a lot of people i i know were were sort of and especially on some of the forums on facebook and twitter and stuff were just lapping up evil dead when when that came out which yeah obviously we all did be discussing shortly yeah we didn't have a, a whole well we haven't got a whole lot of crossover this time around literally just two films yeah um so we're going to get sort of started with those so that we can go through ones that we've both seen uh, and then we'll sort of go into um, films that we've seen independently, mm. and whether or not we would recommend them. Um, so I'll kick us off, uh, okay. as is semi-customary because we start this the way we started last time. Um, it was also it was a film that we both saw together at the cinema, uh, and that was Scream Six. So, see the sixth instalment in the in the Scream saga, following on from um, the 2022 Scream. I think it was just titled, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, directed five, by Five Cream or something like that. I can't five remember. Cream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that reminds me, I need to order some more Five Cream. <laughs> Do you know what? Actually, uh, was it just called Scream? It was just called Scream. Yeah. Because oh. yeah. that's really confusing. Because like. That was called Scream, but then this one was called Scream Six or VI. So that's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Bottom of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so directed by Matt ba- Matt Bettinelli Open. Matt Bettinelli Open and Tyler Gillett, who were the uh, 
Uh, the director's responsible for Screen Cream, yep. Five Cream, <laughs> uh, and also uh, the epic Ready or Not. Yes. Um, which does get multiple reference in this film, obviously. Mm. Uh, Samara uh, Weaving, who plays the bride in Ready or Not, uh, yeah. in this film. Um, and it takes the action to New York City, uh, starring... Uh, what became christened the core four um melissa barrera jenna ortega jasmine savoy brown and mason gooding and a returning uh courtney cox as well for yeah. her uh most stretch faced uh, performance <laughs> yet well um <laughs> I, I do the bad taste jokes i don't know what's going on here i, I wasn't going to go there i thought i'll be well behaved but all right, if we're well, going there, I don't we are. care. No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just put it this way: when we were watching the movie, I turned to you and I was like, "I don't know what emotion is on her face at this minute." <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. And I mean, she probably is the weakest part of this film, and this film is very, very good compared to. Five Cream, mm. as we've now christened it. Yeah. Um, it was okay. Um, it did something to move uh, the, the franchise forward, I suppose, a little bit and set up a little bit of you know the new characters and things like that and wasn't a, a complete bag of shite, but this just took it to another level. It changed. It put us in a completely new setting, something completely different to um, the vast majority of, of the rest of the franchise. And it was clever. I thought it was really clever. Mm. You always think with these later ones, how are they going to keep you interested? How are they going to start this film and it not just be a complete retread of what the, what's gone before? And you sort of had... Re- it was reasonably interesting with, with Five Cream mm. uh, because, you know, the, the the victim survived at the start of the first that film. Um, and this one, it just... Does something again completely, completely different and sort of knocks you for six immediately, and then it just doesn't really give up. It's it's a very, uh, very well paced film. Mm. Uh, keeps your interest. The only downside I would say to it is the ending for me. It got a little bit too bonkers and a little bit too um, uh, sort of treading the same ground that it's it treaded before but was sort of saved by the performances uh of some of the people that are involved in that that final act um yeah i would agree with everything you said um i didn't like uh five cream as much as you did uh i felt for me it just it was taking that meta goofiness like it was getting too far out there for me. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, like tonally, I couldn't, it wasn't a happy place for me. It was, it was mm. too back and forth, but um, it, it, it wasn't awful, but I do feel like that's this... me. I mean, I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't, say, you know, just to, to sort of say, I wouldn't say that five cream is a fantastic film. I just thought it was better than it had uh, any right to be. Yeah. At, at, at that point in the franchise. I agree. And I think it's mainly because these two guys, uh, that are directing, uh, I think, are quite uh, have a unique style, and they're very tongue-in-cheek comedy, mixing that with horror. Um, mm-hmm. And I definitely think that this one felt more scary than 
uh, five cream. It didn't Definitely. seem as goofy. There were still moments yeah. when it was, you know, they had that break in tension with a little bit of comedy, a bit, a little bit of a laugh or something like that. But it didn't, it didn't take it out of, take yeah. me out of it too much uh, until, like you say, at the end when it did get a bit goofy. And I will agree, it was saved by the performances. I think my only issue is that apart from like the legacy cast, like Courtney Cox, and I know she wasn't fantastic in it, and she wasn't really doing much. And what happened to Dewey in the last one? I felt like he was the one giving the best performance, and they got rid of him. Yeah, and I just feel like there's nobody really in this cast that I'm that interested about. And it's not like having a replacement for Sydney mm-hmm. because she's great, and I don't think you can replace her. But there's still, I don't feel like there's anyone that's taken that mantle or done anything different or like. No, it makes me care about that character. I mean, you've got um, I can't remember her name, but she's basically you know Billy Loomis's daughter. She's the you know the protagonist. Yeah. Um, I think she does a good job. Her and General Ortega, they are, you know, decent actors. Uh, yeah. Fine, but still, for me, there's not like when Ghostface is chasing them down. You know, it wouldn't bother me that much if they killed them. Yeah. It's just um, that's the only thing I have, and like I say. It is nice going to uh, a different place. Uh, we've got in, set in New York now, so it's Ghostface takes Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel like they could have maybe done a few more things to make it feel like they were in New York, and they definitely were. I mean, they, the movie was shot in New York for some parts of it, you can tell. Um, they have the scene on the subway, which was great, and then there's that really fun sequence that I really liked was where they were escaping the apartment and they use that ladder mm. to go from one apartment to the other yeah that, yeah, that, yeah. that was really good um yeah but um i i it was a vast improvement from the last one for me um i enjoyed it enough to go see the next one if they do one yeah 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 definitely. i think yeah and too too many people survived it as well yeah yeah and it's it's a fucking ton of people I think I must have been getting on your nerves as well because i remember i was sitting there and every like 20 minutes i was like I think that's the killer. <laughs> yeah, but that's one you of the. You called it though. You called yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that that is that is the fun thing about Scream. It's like you know trying to solve that mystery. Mm. Um, but I do think it can get a little bit out of hand and a little bit goofy because eventually somebody's going to figure it out. Um, so I don't think you have to go uh, too crazy. Um, I think they did okay yeah. with this one. I just think the reasoning for doing what they were doing was a little bit weak, but I guess you could say that um, yeah. for some of the other characters. Um, but I would like to make one more prediction if I'm allowed. Cool. I think if they do Scream 7, uh, mm-hmm. I think the killer will be Stu. Yes, there's a lot of a lot of people that have been calling for that, and I was really hoping that it mm. would... Because it's all about Billy, and it's yeah. all about... It's always been about, you know, in Scream 2, it was Billy's mum. Yeah. Uh, Scream, five Scream, five Cream. Five Cream. <laughs> five Cream. Five Scream um, is still good. It's all about Billy as well. You know, three, the motivation, Sydney. Four's the motivation, Sydney. Um, I just think there's a, there's a lot more that can be explored and I think used and not just retreading a lot of the, um, uh, the same tropes. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And also, the thing that made me think of that was because, uh, obviously, spoilers for all these movies that we're going to be talking about. But right, spoilers. Shall I not say it? I don't know. No. No. Okay. Well, let me just say that there's an object at the end of the movie which references Stu. 
Yeah. Uh, and the characters talk about it. That's all I'm saying. And that's what started <laughs> me thinking about it. And I was like, oh, I can see where this is going. Possibly. Yeah. So if anybody listens to this and in a year or two's time and it comes out and Stu is the killer, I, I you told you. First. <laughs> <laughs> but if I'm wrong, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. No, it'll be uh, Principal Hembry's um, long lost son that comes back and, yeah. and kills them. Or it'll be uh, no, it'll be Kenny, Kenny the uh, cameraman's father or brother. Well, no, he didn't die, did he? Oh, no, he did. Yeah, Kenny. Was, got no, his... who was the the one in the second one who 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 just ran off? I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, I can't remember. It was Gail. It was Gail's other cameraman. And yeah, he was shit yeah. scared because the last one got his throat <laughs> slit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway. Oh, and also, I will say that the intro, the uh, the intro, the um, the start of this movie was brilliant. Uh, I thought it yeah. was really fun. Uh, and it was one of the best lines from the film, uh, which was "Who gives a fuck about movies?" Yeah, <laughs> which I thought brilliant. was really nice. Um, brilliant. So yeah, gives a fuck about the movies. <laughs> they're not. They're not scared of taking the piss out of film fans and no. their quirky weirdness. Uh, and I appreciate no. that. So yeah, I, I. It was. It was a thumbs up from me. I did enjoy it, and I probably would go see the next one. So. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so uh, we'll hand over to you then. What was the other film that we've both seen so far this year? Uh, okay, so the next film uh, we saw separately, um, mm-hmm. but it was my most anticipated film uh, for mm-hmm. 2023, and that film is Evil Dead Rise. What is this, Danny? I found it. Don't let it take my baby. Open up now. I'm getting this out of here. You'd be a good mom. You know how to fight the kids. <laughs> mom? Mommy's with the maggots now. Evil Dead Rise. Yeah, so Evil Dead Rise, it's a, a new Evil Dead movie. It's directed by Lee Cronin, uh, written by Lee Cronin also. he I think this is his second film. This first film that he did was uh, A Hole in the Ground, which is an Irish horror film that I have not seen yet, but mm-hmm. apparently is good. It's uh, The film also stars quite a few people that I do not know who they are. Yeah, the, the main actresses are Lily Sullivan and uh, Elisa Sutherland. Uh, apparently she's in Vikings, I think, a TV show. She was. I've never watched it. but um, Yeah, I didn't, I, nobody was familiar, I don't think, from what yeah. I remember in this film, to me at all. No. Um, but they. I felt like they all gave pretty good performances. Um, mm. Also, the movie is um, produced by Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi, the great Sam Raimi, and uh, Rob Tappert, all people involved in Evil Dead. So, yeah, it was my most anticipated film of 2023. Was I disappointed or did it live up to the hype? Uh, I think somewhere in between uh, for me. Mm-hmm. I think when I first saw it, I messaged you saying it was great. I loved it. Um, I had that initial sort of like, you know, I finally seen it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I went to the cinema again. I saw it uh, again on my own. The cinema was empty. It was great. Um, and I've been thinking about it. <laughs> You didn't I've been take thinking about it. Out, did you, Liam? No, I didn't. No, if Bruce Campbell turned up, possibly, uh, but he he, he didn't. Um, uh, but yeah, so I've been I've been stewing on it a bit, and I still think it's a, a really fun Evil Dead movie. Um, mm-hmm. It hits all the beats that I think most Evil Dead fans would probably want it to hit. 
Yeah. It's gory, it's scary, it builds the tension really well. The cinematography is great, the direction is great. Um Yeah. I think I probably still prefer Freddy Alvarez's uh, Evil Dead that came out in 2013, uh, the remake. Mm. Um, I kind of see it as a remake sequel. Um, I think I still prefer that one. I think there was just a couple of things in this that I didn't like. And it's mainly, it's just, it's hard with Evil Dead because Bruce Campbell is Evil Dead. And that's not saying you can't make an Evil Dead movie without Bruce Campbell. But when he's not there, you can feel it. It's like there's a hole. So Mm. you have to... You have to fill that hole, and I still think the protagonist in Evil Dead Rise. I was not really interested in her. Like she's no. she's, she's got her issues. Um, she goes through the trials and tribulations, you know, through the movie. Um, I, but she still she didn't do it for me. I mean, there's quite a few references to Evil Dead. Some I liked, and some I didn't. I was like, right, calm down. Like, if you want to do your own thing, do your own thing. But you don't have to you know, recreate a scene or have a reference here and a reference there. And mm-hmm. I think tonally, like if you're going to make references to evil dead Two, which is quite a goofy movie, but it still has the scares. And then this is quite a, a dark, yeah. serious movie. I just feel like less is more. Um, yeah. But I, I still, I still thoroughly enjoyed it. I, like I say, I think the direction and the cinematography especially was great. And the soundtrack, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the score. Um, there was cool new things that were, they were doing like the way that they find the book, uh, how the incantation gets uh, read. Uh, yeah, you know they're doing different things, but they're still keeping um, the bones wasn't of it, Evil Dead. Wasn't it actually read by? Isn't it Bruce Campbell on the uh, recording or something? Uh, read somewhere. He's he's on the recording, but he's on uh, he's on recording too, uh, and it's when the priest is talking about we should you know. Uh, yeah. There's a little bit of a spoiler, but not really. But the priest is saying we should you know read this book and sort of study it and there's a voice that comes from behind it's called the book of the dead for a reason we should leave it alone or whatever and that's Bruce Campbell um so yeah it was nice to have him in there a little bit but um yeah I I I still think it's maybe the best film I've seen so far this year um so I still really enjoyed it but I think I think looking back now maybe it wasn't as fantastic as I thought it was I think it was just a new evil dead movie and I may have been a little bit excited but i still think it was i still think it was i still think it was great um some of the other things i didn't like was i think it's down to budget though because this movie was super low budget i think it was 15 to 20 million dollars max and originally it wasn't actually going to be coming out at the cinema it was going to be straight onto hbo uh, max streaming um so it's all primarily set in one location in a high rise but they only stay on the same like floor they don't unless they go to the, like the car park right down at the bottom, but there's no, it kind of made me think of wreck and how like they're trapped yeah, in this one yeah, yeah. location, but they managed to go to different apartments and different rooms and they kind of make it fresh each little time. This kind of got a little bit stagnant for me, but I guess that would be yeah. down to budget. That's not really their fault. Um, but some of the kills were really cool. Um, the CGI, yeah. the practical was great. Um, I think the standout definitely was that, um, is it Elisa Elise, Elise Sutherland? Who plays the Deadite Mum? Um, yes, she was definitely the the best thing in it. Um, she was chewing scenery yeah. and chewing everything else, and I thought yeah. she was fantastic. And the the Shining reference was nice. Was it needed? Maybe not, but it was kind of cool. <laughs> um, and also, whether it was a thing reference at the end, I did enjoy that practical effect. Uh, I thought it was very yeah. creepy and disturbing, and 
yeah, I think I've probably said everything I need to say about Evil Dead Rise, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I'm excited for more Evil Dead movies, hopefully. I mean, we'll I'd, I'd, I'd definitely echo a lot of the stuff that you've said. I mean, I'm not as big a fan of the Evil Dead series as you are. Mm. Um, I've spoke about it before on the podcast. You know, I think I I can give or take Evil Dead. Sometimes I'll watch it and I'll think, this is the greatest thing ever made. And sometimes I think, well, what's the hype all about? Mm. Um, but it is, it's always something I've revisited from time to time. And I probably wasn't as excited for this as you were. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I did really want to see it, and yeah, you know, the big and the biggest disappointment is that it's got no ash. Yeah, and I think with that involvement of of, of Bruce Campbell, and you know, yes, maybe they did want a particular tone for this film, and it, they wanted it to be a bit more dark and a bit more serious. But I think it could have e- they could have easily interjected Bruce Ash into the story a little bit. Yeah. Because obviously there is this story of this building and where this the Book of the Dead is is sort of hidden away, um, and it would have been very easy for them to just somewhere halfway through the film have it revealed maybe that uh, Ash is the the caretaker of the building or something, and yeah. and and interject him into the story a little bit because it, they do need that. It's always the Evil Dead series is always at its best when it's got. Ash fighting demons. Yeah, and I mean that's that's what it is. It's like it's like doing an alien movie, I guess, without Ripley. But I, I mean, mm. I don't know if that's a good analogy. But um, Evil Dead is Ash. It's it's a film about a guy being picked on, and when that guy yeah. isn't there, you can certainly feel that emptiness. Um, so, like I like I said, also the the thing with Evil Dead that I kind of like, which you know goes against what most people who are interested in movies about care about like continuity and you know how things link together evil dead is quite famous for its continuity is fucked up all over the place because it goes yeah. goes to do with uh, movie rights going to do different studios having to reshoot things i mean like evil dead and evil dead 2 this it's like a remake of the first one um, but yeah, it references yeah. the first one and then ash versus evil dead references army of darkness and all this other stuff that it's it's, it's a mess but it works yeah. and that's what i kind of like about it it's that sort of yeah. like fuck it we're going to throw anything out as long as everybody enjoys it and we have fun so mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been a problem if ash rocked up at that high rise or you know the delta was there in the car park and you know he came in and you know i don't know because I, in a way, I don't like fan service when it's too in your face. But I think if Ash came in there and started, you know, kicking ass and taking names, I, I would have liked. I would have liked that. Um, I <laughs> you don't, would have definitely got your pee pee out. I, I probably was. <laughs> um, and because of the way Ash versus Evil Dead ended, and you know how you know I wanted more of that, and then that got cancelled. So with yeah. Evil Dead, I'm used to getting disappointed. But like, I still think it's one of the few film series out there at the minute that doesn't have a bad movie like obviously mm, yeah evil yeah, dead yeah. rise and evil dead 2013 i i know that people maybe are not fond of them but i don't think they're bad films i think they're no not at all no i think i think they're still good movies and i think every single movie in the evil dead series and including ash versus evil dead is you know is is good yeah, so yeah, um yeah. i'm i'm happy with that and i think they don't want to oversaturate it. If they start doing like a Marvel thing, we're going to do a shared universe or, you know, an Ash versus Evil Dead uh, meets Mia and all this other stuff. I'm just, less is more. If, yeah. if we just get an Evil Dead movie every five years or something, I'll be happy. That's that's fine with me. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yeah. 
Okay, so um, so we'll move on to uh, to some other films that we've seen. So that they are literally the only two films that we've both seen this year yeah. so far. So uh, I'll kick us off with something uh, something I was very excited to uh, to pick up this year, and that is uh, Pearl. Mm. From the world of X comes a terrifying new origin story. On September 16th, Mia Goth stars as Pearl. A girl with big dreams will stop at nothing to make them come true. I want to be loved by as many people as possible. Pearl. So this is uh, Ty West's follow-up to uh, the epic X from 2022, uh, filmed literally... Uh, back to back with that film uh, it was actually written uh, a bit of a backstory to the film is that uh, they went to New Zealand to film X and they had to quarantine for three four weeks I think it was something like that um, in the midst of the uh, the pandemic and Mia Goth and Ty West literally wrote this backstory for Pearl so we can make this into a film sort the financing while they were there filmed it after they'd finished filming X um, so this is a prequel to X. It tells the story of Pearl, who's obviously the uh, the geriatric uh, lady uh, on the farm in X, uh, and it tells the story of how she became so fucking batshit crazy. Um, and this is one of the best films I've seen in the last ten years. I would say I would mm-hmm. say it's better than X. Um, it's just got this sort of pathé style to it very old cinema style wizard of aussie colors um set on 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 the farm that's the location for x uh where pearl is with a overbearing mother disabled father i think he's got he's had a stroke or something like that so he's he's sort of wheelchair bound and uh and non-responsive um a husband uh howard has uh, gone off to to the to fight in the war and she's sort of just left to basically help look after the farm and and her father she's obviously disillusioned with this and she meets a a projectionist who introduces her to uh to the cinema and uh she has these grand ideas of being a a a big star whichever way she can do that um and not to go too much into it but uh just it's just pretty epic. The performance of Mia Goff in this film is impeccable. She carries this film. There are obviously other people in it. Nobody I could, you know, throw out there and say are, are great performances, the standard performances. But this is the Mia Goth show, and from start to finish, she owns the screen. You can't take your eyes off her. You're just embedded in this story of you know, wanton uh, lust for for stardom and fame and getting away from this boring farm life and whatever means she needs to do that. It's just fantastic. I think it's such a damn shame that she was not nominated for anything Mm. for this at the Oscars or anything. Um, there's There's a monologue in this film that I think is about 15 minutes. It's a long old monologue. But it keeps your attention for the whole, the entirety of that time, because just because her performance is amazing, it's just amazing. It's mm. absolutely stunning. 
and it's got you know those hallmarks that that Ty West has built in X. You know, it's got some, it's got plenty of violence. It's got plenty of sort of shocks and and scares. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a completely different film to X, and I, you know, very excited to see what they do with um, uh, Maxine, which mm. is going to be the the third film in the series. And I just recommend it. anybody who saw X, you need to go and watch this film because it's fucking amazing. Which you did recommend it to me, and I still haven't seen it. Um, but I don't think it's it's not streaming anywhere or anything yet, is it? Because it came out in the states no. last year, didn't it? Didn't it? Yeah, think. it was yeah. pretty pretty early last year. I think it was yeah. nearly a year before it got it got dropped over here. Yeah. Um, I think it's I don't know if it's available to stream yet. I don't know. It might be rentable. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I managed to. To, to go and see it at the local cinema yeah. and it just blew me away brilliant absolutely brilliant okay I've, I've heard you talk about it before and you excuse me you said it was amazing um, so maybe I should not be so tight and maybe see if I can rent it um, yeah because I do I do like Ty West I like his movies um, and I am excited about Maxine as well and I really enjoyed X and if you said it was better than X then that has my attention. I would say so, but also, like I said, I think it's it's a very different film to mm. X. It's it's more of a performance film. It's more, you know, and it mm. is purely Mia Goth. Yeah. Know, I'm just absolutely in love with it at the moment. Yeah. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I mean, she's she's great and she's beautiful. So um, yeah, I want to ask more, but I don't want it spoiled. So kind of, and don't want to get in spoilers, but um, yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna watch it. Um, definitely going to watch it i've just heard that she's fantastic in it it's kind of her movie and i think martin scorsese was bigging her up saying you yes. know he was you know yeah. really impressed with her and stuff like that so again fantastic so okay, okay. uh so over to you what uh, what have you been watching okay well uh the next film uh that i saw and if we're talking about good performances um then this film has it i think um and that movie is Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans. In this family, it's the scientists versus the artists. What kind of movie are we going to make? $100 for a hobby? It's not a hobby, Dad. You dismiss what he does. It's playful or imaginative. Family art. It'll tear you in two. I don't want to disappoint you. You do what your heart says you have to. The Fablemans. Rated PG-13. Only in theaters Thanksgiving. Okay, so The Fablemans is sort of a semi-autobiographical semi um, film about the early years of Steven Spielberg, except in this he's called Sammy Fableman, I think. Um, mm. So it's basically all about Spielberg's family life uh, and his first... Um, his first movie that he went to see that sparked, ignited that spark in him that made him interested in film and cinema and telling stories yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But it it mainly revolves around the dynamic of his family and especially his mother and father. Um, the performances in this are really strong. I feel like Seth Rogen was great in it. Paul Paul Dano again. Paul Dano is always great. Um, and the kid, yeah, love who, a bit of Paul Dano. Yeah. Um, the kid who plays, uh, I'm just going to call him Spielberg, Stephen, uh, but he's Sammy. Yeah. Uh, Gabriel LaBelle, I think he's called. He plays um, Spielberg. There's a younger kid right at the start, but he's the main yeah. Spielberg in this. 
Um, he was really good. He, <laughs> the main Spielberg. Yeah, the main Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that um, episode of Rick and Morty when it's like uh, that advert for uh, Jan Michael Vincent's and there's loads of them? No. All right. No. <laughs> just, that's what I feel like. There's loads of Spielbergs. <laughs> uh, anyway, just bring, bring me his Mexican non-union <laughs> alternative. <laughs> Senor Spielberg. Senor Spielberg. <laughs> ah, yes, Simpsons reference. Yay. Um, but anyway. Welcome uh, yeah. back. So it's... It's all about Spielberg's early life. And if you don't know, um, Spielberg's mother had an affair with someone that was quite close to the family, who was basically their uncle. wasn't really their uncle, but um, they had this affair. Uh, and in the movie, through making his home movies, Spielberg finds this out. And it's all about how that affects him and how it affects the family unit and how they try and keep things together. And also how... He doesn't really fit in. It's set in the 50s and the 60s or whatever. And, you know, he's he's young, he's Jewish. There's a lot of anti-Semitism at the school. And he doesn't really know, you know, how he fits into the family dynamic. They, his dad wants him, you know, to go to college or university or whatever. And he just wants to make movies and he's good at it. Um, yeah. It's, it's difficult, this one, because I love Spielberg, but I think I'm longing for them days of old Spielberg you know yeah we're talking Raiders Jaws <laughs> all that sort of stuff you know yeah. but now he's like he's 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 a, he's an old man he's a father um he he makes he makes films now he doesn't make movies mm-hmm. anymore um so I, I do miss that but not to say that this was a bad film I think it's you know it's a brilliantly made film uh, the performances are really good um the cinematography is great it really captures that era um, and I love anything yeah. that's you know a period piece or whatever. And this is set in the fifties, and you know I love that all those old cars, that old you know Norman Rockwell type America. It's just it's just great. I love it. There's also a cameo from David Lynch in this. I won't spoil it. Yes, um, I was going to say I've heard David Lynch in it. Yeah, he's only in it for like five minutes, but he's he's great. Um, and I've oh, love it, a bit of David Lynch. He's he's very good. Um, and it's weird because if you if you're a big fan of Spielberg and you know a lot about his like upbringing and things that have influenced him, and then you see these things in the movie, it's like ah, I I know that, or that's why he does that, and because that's why a lot of his early movies are always focused uh, focusing on a um, you know a divorced family or something like that. You know, yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's him trying to sort out the trauma of his childhood, basically. You know that his yeah his parents split up, they were getting divorced, and how he felt, even and you know everything like that yeah. but um i i really enjoyed it um it wasn't something you know that i think you had to go to the cinema to watch you could quite easily watch this on streaming but i think if you're if you're into a coming of age movie set in the <laughs> you know the 50s 60s in america about filmmaking and if you love filmmaking yeah. i think you'll really appreciate it and there's some funny moments in it as well there's you know a lot of the stuff that happens in it is true um, yeah. there's some stuff in it that isn't true obviously it's you know made that way for the film to be an exciting film but um, there is a lot of stuff in it that's uh, true the only thing that I found that bugged me is Michelle Williams like she gives an amazing performance of Spielberg's mum and if you've seen footage of Spielberg's mum she nails her really well um, but if you find mm. out about the the affair and stuff like that it's kind of I find it hard for me to like her as a character in this. Yeah. Because she wants she uh, for me I feel like she wants to have her cake and eat it. Like she has this happy family life and Spielberg is forced to keep this secret and 
mm-hmm. and, you know, and don't want to upset his father, but his father's like they're, they're two opposites. She's a creative and you know wild card, and his dad's very into computers and technical things and all this sort of stuff. So they they they, they don't you wouldn't see them going together, but they they do work. But it's yeah, I just I liked her acting. I didn't like her character. Okay, it, I found that hard. But you know, it's a true story. Um, most of it. Um, but yeah, that was that was yeah. the Fablemans, and I I did okay. enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Uh, so my next uh, choice is uh, Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Do you forget the feeling? People are incapable of not caring. anyone who hasn't seen has just landed on uh, Amazon Prime along with Bones and all um, and now what can I say about this film it's another strong recommendation for me mm. I thought it was fucking brilliant I enjoyed every minute of it I thought Brendan Fraser's performance was well deserving of the Oscar that he received um, it's heartbreaking it's just it's a very much a performance film there's not a lot to the story um, you know, there's no sort of twists and turns. It's a very straightforward story. You can tell that it was a stage play before uh, becoming a movie script. And I was quite shocked, actually, obviously, once I'd sort of seen it and then sort of looked at some reviews and things like that of how, you know, how how diversive this film is and, and people either loved it or hated it. There was not a lot of in-between. No, I tell a lie. There was a lot more... There was a lot of people backing for ben, Brendan Fraser and saying how good his performance is, but the rest of the film was was just terrible. Mm. Um, but I think, not to get too personal, I think if you can't empathise with the character of Charlie, who Brendan Fraser plays, and his story and what he's done to put him in this situation where he's become morbidly obese and is a shut-in basically um there's obviously a reason for that and stuff that's happened in his life and i think it's 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 a story that's very much centered around guilt and i think if people don't necessarily get that or understand that or empathize with that they don't get so much out of this film and it's not a typical aronofsky film you know it's not i always find his films are very much um you know, even the more realistic ones mm. that, that he's made, or the more ones that are more grounded in reality and and stuff, it, it's it, it, there's still a little bit sort of balls to the wall and 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 out there and and throwing a lot at you, and it kind of does that. But it's it's probably his most normal film that I've seen of his anyway. But yeah, it just deals with so many different emotions, whether it's grief, whether it's shame, uh, you know, heartbreak. Uh, there's you can't just look at this film and say that it's it's a fantastic, just a fantastic performance from uh, Brendan Fraser. Uh, you've got Hong Chow, who plays his sort of friend, stroke nurse, stroke housekeeper, uh, Liz. Um, absolutely fantastic. 
stunning performance. Should have won the Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Sorry, Jamie Lee Curtis, but she should have absolutely won that um, because it's an amazing performance. Uh, you got Sadie Sink, who's been very much moody teenager, but a decent performance from her. Um, one of your favourites. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and then Ty, Ty Simpkins, who plays this sort of, um, I think he's either a Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness. I can't remember who sort of uh, becomes a bit of a friend to, to, to this Charlie character. Um, and then Samantha Morton, who's not in it very long, but she's, you know, very dependable Samantha Morton character. I'm but, sorry, but when you said Morton, I, all I heard was Robocop. <laughs> I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. <laughs> now it's time to erase that mistake. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But it's just, you know, the prosthetics on Fraser are just amazing. Um, there's a lot of, you know, you, you can probably throw a lot of criticism at this film for fat shaming. Mm. But I don't think it glorifies it or takes too much of it doesn't you know it doesn't trivialise it, I wouldn't yeah. say anyway, in my opinion. Um you've got a lot of a lot of it comes down to the reactions of other people when they first meet him, um, or realise that he's this morbidly obese character. Um but, you know, I wouldn't say that that's something that's unrealistic. Mm. You know, some people are, you know, are just not able to hide their uh, initial feelings, reactions, and and things like that, but it just and it looks amazing considering it's it's pretty much in one location. In fact, it is near enough in one location. Um, it just looks as stunning as any other Darren Aronofsky film, mm. as well. And I'm ashamed to say, as well, it really made me want a pizza. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's another strong recommend from me. I would encourage anybody to watch it. Um, just you know. If you don't take anything else away from this film, just a, a fantastic performance from Mr. Fraser. Yeah, and I think that's um, one of those things, isn't it? Like a, a bad movie can be made good just by good performances. I think sometimes, um, not to say Ooh. this movie's bad, but I have I've heard very uh, marmite things. Like some people really like it, and then yeah. some people really don't. Um, uh, which has been interesting to see people's reactions. Um, but I don't think it's yeah. Well, I would. I always sort of, uh, sort of have a similar feeling with, there was a film a couple of years ago uh, came out called Devil All the Time with Tom Holland mm. and Robert Pattinson, um, uh, Sebastian Stan and uh, Pete, Peter Skarsgård. Is that Pennywise? Oh, um, Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. Yeah. And the film, the story was nothing that you've not seen before, but every single performance in that film is fucking amazing. Mm. Um, really stellar performance, and th- th- that's how I feel about. That's how I think feel, people feel about this film a lot. I mean, I enjoyed the story a lot. I yeah. thought it made a lot of sense. Um, if you could get round, you know, some of, if you can empathise with the Charlie character, um, then you'll get a lot more out of this film. If you can't, then you won't. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I can quite easily see myself empathising with somebody that's possibly had a shit life and used food as comfort like we all do. Um Yeah, but it's not it's not really it's not like that. It's no. not it's hard it's hard to explain. He's he's made decisions off his own back. He's mm. made wrong decisions or decisions that he considered right and and noble and um in the best interests of everybody involved. 
or he's you know followed his heart like everybody says you that you should yeah always follow your heart but you know mm. yeah you can always follow your heart but it's never gonna it's not always gonna please everybody mm. well you can't follow your heart <laughs> if you clog it up with fat and stuff no, <laughs> no. no. Cut, cut that out it's terrible <laughs> <laughs> okay so back, back yeah. to you then um, okay. what else you got for us uh, right, what else? I had the Fablemans. Uh, okay, the next thing uh, that I went to see was it was a birthday treat for me because I really enjoyed the first Ooh. film. Uh, and Pete knows I'm not a massive fan of superheroes, but I did enjoy the first Shazam. Um, Shazam. Shazam. Jism. Uh, Jism. <laughs> well, this was Jism, Fury of the Gods. <laughs> yeah. Need to say that properly so I can edit it in. All right, okay, sorry. <laughs> that was Shazam, Fury of the Gods. How well do you remember your childhood? Rejected by your parents and by the system, but then something incredible happened. Say my name. I spent millennia searching for a worthy champion. Give us the powers, child. Go fight for the world. Hey, Khaleesi! Fury of the Gods, rated PG-13. I think there was a lot said about this film. I really enjoyed the first one. I think it came out in 2019. Um, directed by David F. Sandberg. And if not a lot of you know who David F. Sandberg is, he's got an interest in film history. He made uh, a movie called Lights Out, and then he did Annabelle Creation, I think, and then he did Shazam. Uh <laughs> I wasn't a big fan of Lights Out, and I wasn't a huge fan of Annabelle Creation either. It's not really interested me. So when I saw Shazam, I was quite surprised. Um, But one of the reasons why I like David F. Sandberg is if you search for him on YouTube, he's got a page called Pony Smasher. And for years, it was just him and his wife. They're (laughs) they're Swedish. uh, And he made short horror films. Um, really like cool. This is going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's um, it's just like a really cool story because basically it was him and his girlfriend making these short little horror vignettes, like two, three minutes, um, on YouTube. And event they made one called Lights Out, and Warner Brothers contacted them and said, "Do you want to make this into a feature?" And that's basically how he got his film career started. So ever since yeah. then, he's been you know making these big Hollywood movies, whether they're good or not. You know, people can decide that for themselves i would think shazam is his best movie definitely um so that brings me to shazam fury of the gods um i enjoyed it it was fun it was like a switch your brain off you're going to enjoy this it's nothing too complicated few cliches in there you can kind of predict what's going to happen um but i still i still had a good time i saw this in imax uh it was good the special effects were fine not fantastic but some areas were better than others it was fine. Uh, if you want a brief synopsis of the film, it's basically a family unit. They all have this Shazam power that turns them into grown-up superheroes and they do all this stuff. Um, he's becoming older. They live, they're live. orphans, basically, that have this weird little family unit, but he's becoming older now and he's going to have to move out and live on his own. And, you know, there's others that are going to go off to do other things and, you know, things are happening. But then this big bad happens uh which forces them to sort of sort their shit out and fight evil and there are sacrifices and all, all that sort of you know usual superhero trope yeah but like i say it's nowhere near as good as the first one um i think this film is doing a bit too much 
there's mm-hmm. too there's too many superheroes in it. It's easy for some of them to sort of get lost in the background. Um, yeah. That was my only thing is that um, the cast is a bit too large. Uh, I didn't really care about some of them. Uh, I thought Zachary Levi he's the best thing in it. I do like him. He's right. got that sort of like quippy, funny, not really taking anything too serious. Yeah. So I I did enjoy that. Uh, some of the acting was not great. I will say that Lucy Liu, she did a really good impression of some nice MDF from B&Q. Wooden as fuck. <laughs> um, I don't know whether she didn't want to be there or she just couldn't be asked. Maybe a bit of both. But um, she Isn't was... Isn't Helen Mirren the big bad in it? Yeah, I don't want to get into spoilers, but they they play oh. uh, they play sisters. They're like some sort of Greek uh, goddesses, um, right? Sort of thing. Um, but some stuff happens, and Lucy Liu turns to be the main bad guy right at the end. Blah 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 blah. Bit of a spoiler, right. but not really. Um, so yeah, she wasn't <laughs> fantastic. But there's a really cool dragon in it that's made out of wood. Uh, that's really cool. And there's some fun little. Is set that not pieces. Lucy Liu? That's weird. Yeah, she's riding a wooden dragon, <laughs> and she is a piece of wood. Uh, a beautiful piece of wood, may I add. Um, oh, yes. Yeah, yes, she is. She still looks great. But that that was a bit of a letdown. Um, it wasn't as good as I hoped it would be. But like I say, I'm not really invested in this superhero stuff as much. Um, it was kind of forgettable fun. Um, but would I watch it again? Yeah, probably. Um, uh, I do. I think I want wanted to watch it more to support David F. Sandberg, just because I... I like his like sort of grassroots filmmaking, and you know he's getting to do these big things. And he just was a guy making stuff on YouTube, and now he's doing big Hollywood movies. And I kind of find that really cool. Um, so yeah, that was Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Um, it won't wow you, but I think for an hour and a half, two hours that it was yeah. on, it was it was enjoyable fun. It was it was fine. I must admit, I wasn't overly, you know. I didn't enjoy the the original, the first one. Mm. Um, it's not something I'm I would gravitate towards, but you know, it's not something that I would roll out watching at some point mm. once it becomes uh, drops on streaming or something like that. Yeah, I think um, the thing that I liked about the first Shazam was like it was this superhero movie, but it didn't take itself too seriously. Like there was no yeah. hu- huge city battle where a thing shoots in the sky and we've got to get this and you know. The, buildings are getting destroyed left right and center like the main battle at the end of shazam was in a, a christmas market and the ferris wheel falls over it was like this small little thing but the, <laughs> each even though there was all these different characters like they each had a little thing to do and everybody was doing stuff and it was fun and it was exciting but i think this second shazam movie it became more of that sort of like that you see in the trailer you know the you know cities yeah. getting destroyed and blue lights flying out everywhere and sacrifice and you know feelings and uh <laughs> yeah it was just you know i liked it when it was a bit silly but it was still fine yeah. it was still fine what else did you see peter so i'm going to keep going down my sort of timeline um and uh move on to uh, brandon cronenberg's infinity pool mm. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. That's for a significant sum. We'll build a double to stand in for your execution. It's like a new skin working itself into place.
time for you to find out what kind of a creature you really are. Uh, so I'd not heard a, a great deal about um, Infinity Pool. I'd seen uh, one of Brandon Cronenberg's first films, which was Antiviral, which is a is a very weird film, but it's a it's it's a decent film. It's 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 uh, what you would expect from the seed of yeah. uh, David Cronenberg. Obviously, he is a Cronenberg. Um, he's, he, yeah, he's definitely a Cronenberg. But yeah, I mean, this was a massively interesting concept. Uh, it stars. Uh, Alexander Starsgard, the incomparable Mia Goth again, Cleopatra Coleman, um, amongst others. No, not many other sort of famous faces in this, but uh, it's basically the story of this uh, writer. He's he's only ever written one book. He goes on holiday with his wife, who's who's sort of very rich. Her, her family's very rich, and he sort of lives off the back of her basically. And he's he's got writer's block. He can't. His his first book wasn't a success. He's trying to find a um, inspiration for the follow-up, and he's thinking that this this island retreat um, is is where he's going to find that. Uh, so they meet up uh, with another couple, uh, played by um, let me get this right, Jalil Lesbet um, and uh, Amir Goth, obviously, um, and they sort of befriend them, and they they go off site off this resort. Um, uh, and have a picnic, and they basically end up uh, where Alexander Skarsgård uh, is driving drunk and runs over a local. What happens from there, I mean, it's not too much of a spoiler, I don't think, um, is that they then become aware of this sort of seedy underbelly of the island and the locals on the island who um, exploit... Uh, tourists to um, to basically I'm going to go into detail because it's not too much of a spoiler okay. um, because it is the main crux of the story uh, so basically uh, he has to be punished for running over this person and the way that the locals have determined that people should be punished is that uh, they're murdered by a member of the family or the oldest son of the family so this this guy who gets runs over son uh, is allowed to kill Alexander Skarsgård, but in a money making scheme on the island, uh, they figured a way to clone people at uh, an accelerated rate, um, and then basically these rich people pay for a clone of themselves to be murdered, and justice to be wreaked upon their clone. Now that's the basics of this story. It goes see a lot further than that, and it becomes apparent that. This is quite a common thing on this island, um, and obviously you get the the, the sort of tension between um, uh, Skarsgård and his wife um, about whether this is what they should actually be doing, um, and it's bonkers. It's what you'd expect from Brandon Cronenberg, basically, or A. Cronenberg. And again, it doesn't pull it off brilliantly. It's a little bit too long, but it's a very interesting concept, and it's a very um, good-looking film. Not just because it's got Mia Goth in it, but and especially her performance towards the end is just manic and just absolutely crazy. There's a very sort of psychedelic scene um, about two thirds of the way through the film that's just absolutely mind blowing. And yeah, I wouldn't really say too much more about this film, but it's it's an interesting watch. I wouldn't say it's brilliant, and I wouldn't strongly recommend it. But if you come across it and you like Cronenbergy cinema, then it's definitely worth a watch. Hmm. Okay. 
and Mia Goth knows how to brighten up a picnic. Well, I I I do want to watch it. Off Alexander Skarsgård. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if I want to see that. Maybe. Um, oh. Okay. Mm, I'll maybe watch it. I'll maybe watch it. I think I like David Cronenberg more than Brandon, but I mean, I haven't seen many. I still haven't seen. Um, what was that? Was it Possessor or Possession? The last one he did. Yeah, no, yeah, I've, not I've, not, that, yeah. I've not seen that, but I've heard kind of the same things. Like some people like it, some people don't. Like it's again, very Marmite type of thing. Um, but yeah, I think this it doesn't it doesn't really sort of know what it wants to say, and it's very ambiguous towards the end. Um, not sort of just justifiably so either. It's a bit, you know, you're a bit sort of like eh, mm. at the end, and it is just like I say, it's just that little bit too long. Okay. I think David. I think David Cronenberg's got a movie out. Did, did he have one last year as well? I think that's where I was getting confused. I thought this one was his movie, but I. All right. Yeah. I, I, not I, that I know of. I, I could. Know. I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm very behind on what's coming out and all that sort of stuff. So. <laughs> okay. So what? We'll throw it back to you then, Liam. What else you got? Okay. Uh, well, the next one I've got. Um, I actually saw this on a. Um, uh, a double feature type thing. I went to the cinema for a whole day, uh, and this was the first movie I saw. The second one was Evil Dead Rise, but um, I actually wanted to see this and never got round to it. Um, but the other movie um, that I saw was Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves. We're facing the greatest evil the world has ever known. We're gonna need a team. Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Uh, I wasn't really super excited about this. I watched the trailer and I was sort of like, I don't know about this. Um, but basically the movie is, I've got a little uh, synopsis here. A charming thief and a band of unlikely adventurers embark on an epic quest to retrieve a lost relic, but things go dangerously awry when they run afoul of the wrong people. Yeah. And do you know what? This was a movie that I was pleasantly surprised by because I really thought it was going to be not very good. Yeah. And I was really surprised. It was absolutely... It was just fun. Uh, It started. It didn't stop. Uh, Everybody was fun in it. Hugh Grant's in it. He's great. (laughs) <laughs> he's like this bumbling villain um, Chris Pine is really good in it Michelle Rodriguez is in it she's good as well um, it's directed by is she is she really is she really moody she is she's very uh, stoic and quiet and yeah she's hard as nails Michelle Rodriguez then. yeah she, she's still fine in it she's still good uh, yeah I think it's directed by John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein and I think the only other movie of theirs that I've seen was uh, they did Game Night that had um, yes uh, oh, Jesus forgot his name Guy from Ozark fucking hell terrible um, Jason Bateman Jason uh, Bateman yeah and Rachel yeah. McAdams but um, th- I really enjoyed that as well that was something that I didn't want to watch and when I watched it I was like oh my god this is actually quite fun um, it was alright and that's exactly how I felt with um, Dungeons and Dragons it was just a lot of fun it reminded me of an old like 80s 90s fantasy adventure movie like there was loads of yeah. practical effects some of the practical effects did not look good but that kind of added to the charm and the, to the tone of it because it was sort of like 
tongue in cheek. It wasn't this like, yeah. you know, even though it's got like witches and wizards and spells and creatures and dragons and it wasn't Lord of the Rings. It was very yeah, just fun. So I would highly recommend it and I hope they do more. It was, I'm saying fun a lot, but it was. It was just nice to go to the cinema and just to ha- enjoy something um, and be yeah. surprised. Uh, I think it did all right at the box office as well, and it got fairly decent reviews. But yeah, it was just it was just a really good time. I laughed quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> there's some nice action set pieces, uh, and if you've ever played Dungeons and Dragons, there's like a lot of um, in jokes there, and you know sets that are placed to look like the board uh, that you'd have at Dungeons and Dragons yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So you know a lot of stuff there for the fans and um, for people that don't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. It was just a really good, fun, switch your brain off, good time at the movies. Um, so if you get a chance to watch it, Pete, I would recommend it because that's all it is. It's just fun. It's it's a, it's like yeah. a rainy day movie. You're bored, you're sat at home, you're just eating a big bag of crisps and you're just watching this fun movie. It's great. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it is on my list. I think mm. it is um, available to rent. So mm. I'll, I'll hopefully be checking that out soon. I was. It was... I'd nearly sort of delved into it a couple of weeks ago, but then something else um, piqued my interest. Um, okay. I can't remember what it was exactly. It was probably an older film, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> um, but I've been recording a lot for the podcast in the last few weeks, so it's been mainly watching podcasty films. Yeah. But I'd like to go on to something I was kind of anticipating and looking forward to, but Obviously, I had a lot of reservations about it, as I always do with most of his films, and that's uh, M. Night Shyamalan's mm. Knock at the Cabin. It's coming. The apocalypse. Your family must sacrifice one of the three of you. Or the world will end. This is delusional! I'm on my family side. Make a choice. We're not sacrificing anyone. Make a choice. Rated R. Uh, so, essentially, um, while vacationing in a remote cabin, a young girl and her father's um, are approached by four strangers who basically tell them that the three of them have to choose. They have to kill one of their family um, to avoid the oncoming apocalypse um and as with any m night Shyamalan uh film i think the concept is a lot greater than the actual film um uh, the end product is much as you would expect from m night Shyamalan. since you know at signs i would yeah. say you know it's not it's not the best film in the world but then again it's not the worst it's probably uh, one of his best his best offerings uh, for a while. Um, I've only well, I didn't even finish old. I started watching that a couple of weeks ago, um, and couldn't haven't been interested to go back to it as yet. Um, but it's you know it's not too it's not too long. It's not over long at all. It zips along quite nicely. There is a fantastic performance from Dave Bautista. He is easily the best thing in this mm. film. And you've got reasonably decent supporting cast Jonathan Groff, Ben Aldridge is this this uh, this couple uh, with their daughter who's played by Kristen Chu uh, and then Nick Akuma Bird, Rupert Grint and Abby Quinn who finish off this sort of group of uh, strangers 
that are terrorising them almost. Um, but there's just so much duality to, to most of the characters or suggested duality to, to most of the characters. Um, that there's some interesting performances. And like I say, Dave Batista, who's this obviously very much big, muscly, threatening-looking guy, tattoo, you know, covered in tattoos. Mm. But he he plays this most sort of genteel character that's, you know, doing something that he really doesn't want to do. But then there is that underriding sort of duality to him. You don't know whether he is actually doing something because he believes that this is going to happen or it's just, you know, these people are crazy and they're taking it out on these guys because they're, they're a gay couple. Mm. And, you, you know, it's it's... That sort of subtext is is kept throughout the film. Ultimately, it just falls very flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's based on a, a novel called The Cabin at the End of the World, um, and the ending of that novel is vastly different to the ending of the film. And I would say, you know, without spoiling it, the ending of the book would have made a much better ending for this film. Mm. And that's all I'd really say about it. I wouldn't you know, say there's, there's there's too much to delve into. Other than that, you know, Dave Batista, amazing. Uh, the rest of the cast are decent. The story just falls flat. Yeah. Well, I, I remember watching the trailer and I sort of, after the trailer, I was not, I was not gripped. Um, so I don't, I don't know if I'll be watching this at any time. Yeah, it doesn't um, offer, it doesn't offer up anything other than the trailer. Mm. You know, the, the what's in the trailer, that is the story. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of, uh, are they aren't they and is it or will it or won't it but you know it it doesn't delve much further than that yeah i i do appreciate m night Shyamalan's like attempt to do you know these fun twists and all this sort of stuff i just feel like a lot of the time it lands flat or the films just aren't that enjoyable i mean the last one i watched was split i think it was yeah split mm. And I, I, enjoyed Split, I, I I enjoyed it, but I don't think I'd ever watch it again. Um, mm. That that was it, and I've got no real interest in any of the ones. Like I saw the trailer for Old, and that that didn't look uh, too great. So uh, yeah, back to you then, Liam. What what have you? What else you got to offer up? Um, well, I've not. I've been very bad. I haven't really watched much more movies. The last thing I have. It was just sort of an honourable mention, but it wasn't something I would watch again, and I don't know if I would recommend. Um, but I'm being honest, it was a film, and I watched it. Uh, and that was The the Boston Strangler. Five women have been strangled over the past three months. By number and by nature, these stranglings are beyond anything ever seen before in the criminal history of the city. The murders are clearly premeditated. All elderly, all lived alone... It's a pattern. The crimes themselves are insane. He ransacks the apartments, but doesn't take anything. He leaves his victims posed with a bizarre air of ceremony, each left with a decorative garret around her neck. In every case, there is no evidence left behind, no clue as to how he selects his victims. So, um, yeah, I don't know if it was, I think it was just a straight to Disney Plus situation. I don't think it was in the cinema or anything. Um, so, yeah, the Boston Strangler. It tells the 
true story of um, these murders that happened in Boston. I think it was in the 60s, maybe late 50s, 60s. I can't really remember. Um, this is is Boston, United States, not Boston, yeah, just up the road from us. Yeah, it's not uh, Boston, Lincolnshire, but now people know where we are. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll never take me alive, copper. So, yeah, um, these women get murdered. The police are quite easy to sort of like, you know, they're not connected, anything like that. Uh, and it's down to this plucky uh, female news reporter who teams up with this uh, other plucky uh, news reporter and they sort of start connecting to the dots, start, you know, delving deeper into this uh, stuff that happened. And it's just basically about mainly Kira Knightley's character. I can't remember her character's name, but um, she's the news reporter and how she juggles being a working mom and, you know, the, the backdrop of these horrible horrific crimes that are happening and who gets caught is it the real person that did it is there somebody out there and you know is there a cover-up and all this sort of stuff so Um, is it is it basically a poor man's zodiac yes uh there are i was thinking when i was watching it i was like there's these very like sort of horrible brown colors in the cinematography um it's it reminded me of you know seven uh a little bit Ooh. in the cinematography um obviously nowhere near as good uh but it, it it was fine it was fine i was expecting a lot better but that's my own fault for having expectations a little higher but um it was fine kira knightley was not good uh i don't think she was totally miscast for this whether they needed Ooh. a star you know to give the movie a little bit of a push but i just feel like i did not buy her as a chain smoking uh, working working mum who worked for yeah. a, a you know a Boston newspaper in the sixties where all the men were sexist and yeah. you know hate tuts and all this sort of stuff and her her accent is terrible and she just every time she talked or she just took took me out of the film um, yeah. the the other lady I thought would have been better in her role possibly uh, I can't remember her name but she was. In Mindhunter, I think um, she was one of the um, characters in that. Uh, I'd seen her in a few things. She was also in oh, the, Anna Torv. It could have been. She was also in the Last of Us TV show uh, that came out this year. Oh right, I don't know. Um, I'd have to have a look. Um, if it's Anna Torv, she was in Fringe as well. I've not seen Fringe, um, but she she was she was good. And also, I think it's got um, oh god, I can never remember his name, but uh, he always plays a villain in something, and he was Polka Dot Man in. Suicide Squad, is it Damien Bashell? Polka Dot Man. Po- Polka Dot Man, do you remember? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. he was in, uh, yeah, he was in uh, the Ant-Man films and... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dark Knight as well, who yeah. was one of the goons, wasn't he? Yeah, and he was in, he was in Prisoners and uh, Dune as well. He usually plays a villain or something like that. And uh, Yeah, he was good in it. Um, I've just had a look also, sorry, but it, it was Anna Torv. Yeah, mm. it was her. Uh, and she, she she was great in it. Uh, yeah, so um, that was Boston Strangler. It was at the bottom of my list. I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, the set design and the cinematography was really good um, and everything, but I just... I would never watch it again. I don't know if I would Ooh. recommend it. I, th- I think if you, if you like crime thrillers, and this is obviously based on a true story, this happened, so yeah. if you're interested in stuff like that, then you might, you might be interested in it if you like true crime, but... Um, yeah, that's that's all it really was. Can I? Sorry, apologies. Do you want to piss? No, uh, I just want to make a correction because I was wrong. It wasn't. Um, 
uh, Anna Torv. It was Carrie Coon. I was getting her mixed up. Right. Yeah, it was Carrie Coon. She was okay. in Ghostbusters and Gone Girl and something else. But yeah, sorry. Please, oh, right, okay. I'll all of that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Make me look good, Peter. Damn it. Uh, okay, so do I want to go? All right, I'll go. I'll go through chronologically. Then next, I've got uh, Marvel's Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantum Mania. The Conqueror. He will burn the world to find you. On February seventeenth, if you want to stop what's coming, better hurry, Ant Man. Yeah. I don't care who this guy is. This is my fight. I'm coming for you. You think you can beat me? I am Kane! Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Ready PG-13, February 17th. Get tickets now. Which I know, obviously, you're not the biggest fan of the Marvel films and, and you don't really follow them, not overly interested in them. Um, but, you know, I like to keep up with them, even though I know that everything so far since Endgame pretty much has been very, you know, very mediocre at best. Mm. Um, however, I was pleasantly surprised by Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Uh, I thought it was a really good uh, addition to the uh, to the Marvel universe. Uh, it had it missed some of the spark that the last two Ant Man films had. The comedy mm. um, and that, that the sort of crew, you know, um, Michael Pena. Ah, I love him. Um, He's great. And the, and, and, and the chappy that you just talked about as well. Mm. It missed it missed that crew. They're not in it at all. Um, but basically, it's the story of uh, his daughter Cassie, who has created the way to communicate with the quantum realm, which has obviously been visited before in uh, various Marvel films. Uh, and they basically all get sucked into there. And there's this story about uh, Kang, the Conqueror, uh, played by Jonathan Majors. Who I'm not going to give too much. Um, uh, mentioned too. He is very good in this film. Mm. Uh, obviously, he is, um, I believe, under investigation for various <laughs> different <sighs> crimes. Uh, and it is a bit of a shame because he does. <laughs> he's <laughs> not. He's not Kang. He's a very naughty boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, he's a very good part of this film. Mm. Um, unfortunately. Um, and one of the better things in it, uh, the you know the rest of the cast are still really strong. Paul Rudd, mm. another decent performance as Ant Man. I do find it hard not to like Paul Rudd, to be honest. Oh, he's great. He's guy, just yeah. yeah, he's just he's whatever he's in, even if he's in something shit. I just I still like Paul Rudd. I think he's great. Evangeline Lilly mm. is just very much by the numbers again in this film. Um, as as Hope Van Dyne, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, um, are, are pretty much uh, you know again by the numbers. Um, there is a, a short sort of almost cameo from Bill Murray as well, which is quite fun. Um, and there is another character that comes back from I won't say too much because it will spoil it, but there's a character that comes back from one of the previous Ant Man films. Um, it's probably one of the best uh, parts of this film. Um, again, I won't spoil it for um, people who who do enjoy uh, the the Marvel universe. Uh, but there are, you know, there's some great CG characters in this as well. There's obviously in the quantum realm. There's a lot of really weird characters that are sort of jellyfishy type creatures. There's a lot of 
there's a lot of special effects, a lot of mm. CGI, but it pulls it off quite well. It's not so heavy that you think, oh, my God, you know, and you get fed up with it. It keeps you embedded in the story. It's almost unpredictable, I would say, towards the end. You think that it's going to go a particular way, um, and it doesn't. It's 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 quite an interesting uh, conclusion to the story. Um, Peyton Reed, uh, who's obviously done the, the, the previous two Ant-Man films, a really strong pair of hands, mm. um, and, and keeps it going. And I don't see why it gets quite got quite the the lukewarm reception that it did i thought it was a lot better than most of the recent uh marvel um offerings it was i really enjoyed it i really really enjoyed it mm. i mean it's not um, like like i say uh i'm not massively into superhero stuff but i think one thing that looked like this wasn't like the previous marvel films that had been a bit serious and a bit dour and stuff this looked like it was fun when you've got a character called ant-man it looked like it was a fun film. Well, it isn't, isn't it? It's certainly yeah. not the most fun of the three films. Okay. It's, it's. I did really enjoy the first one, actually, to be fair. I thought that was yeah. fun. Um, well, again, with the second one, I always thought the second one was was not as bad as, as the reputation it got. The ending is a little bit flat, and there's not really a great big bad in that. Uh, mm. But this one's got that big supervillain that's obviously, you know, one way or another going to be the major villain for the next series of films. Mm. Maybe not um, this actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, it's, yeah. it's, it's Marvel, so yeah. they can work their way around that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, it's it's well worth a look. If you if you enjoyed either of the two uh, previous Ant-Mans, I would say it's worth a look. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't feel long. It's maybe a little bit long, but then most of the Marvel films are these days. Um, but it's well worth a look. Uh, next, uh, which I'm quite surprised you haven't seen this because we did talk about this on the the last bonus episode as being excited for it was uh, Elizabeth Banks's uh, Cocaine Bear. There's an area called Blood Mountain. The pilots know where to drop our load. We just go get it. Where's the duffel? The bear ate most of it. What? A bear did cocaine. Just play dead. A bear. It loves coke. Go. Cocaine bear. Only in theaters. Rated R. Yes. Um, I do want to watch it. Uh, I wasn't prepared to go to the cinema to watch it, so I'm kind of hoping for streaming. <laughs> um, I've just heard that. For a movie called Cocaine Bear, it could have been a lot better, but it's still pretty fun. It's okay. It's it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, it didn't quite. I it wasn't quite as as balmy as I expected. That's probably my overriding opinion of this film. Mm. It's it's fun and it's silly and it is about a bear that gets into a massive stash of cocaine and goes on a rampage, basically. Mm. And there's a lot of really fun scenes in it, a lot of, you know, really out there scenes. Um, but the ending gets a little bit flat as well and it just struggles to, to conclude the story or to keep you captivated until the conclusion of the story, I would say. Um, a nice little performance from Ray Liotta as well. I believe this was his last performance before he died. Um, rest in peace. Mm. But, yeah, it's worth a lot. Okay. I would, I would, 
I would say you've made the right decision of not watching this, not paying to watch this, and yeah. waiting for it to come out on on streaming. Yeah, I think I'll definitely wait um, for streaming. Uh, and then following that, I watched um, a Netflix original, which was Luther, The Fallen Son. John, you know what they did to my son. I need to stop this man. You are the man who knows all about people like me. You can't help, John. I'm still a cop. Not anymore. Stand down or tactical unit will shoot you dead. Funny that I get him before you get me. Make it 50. We did not. Obviously based on the BBC series of the same name. This was the sort of follow-on uh, from the TV series. This is how they're going to keep the series going. Uh, but it is classed as a movie. It's uh, a Netflix original movie. Um, and it was disappointing, I mm. thought. there's The story's a bit... It goes a little bit too far. I think the, the beauty of the Luther TV series is that the stories have always been out there and the, the crimes have always been a little bit out there, but they've been kept within the realms of realism and yeah. you believe that they can happen. This one goes way too far. There's a very over-the-top performance from Andy Serkis, who plays the main uh, the main villain, and his whole plan is just uh, completely over-the-top and just not believable. And then... it shifts location midway through the film and you just think why is it doing that Um, and it just doesn't really go anywhere it's very by the numbers um, and it's just not the best thing that you've seen from the Lutherverse I suppose it's something else I don't know if you're a fan of um, no, I've heard good stuff about it but it's it's something I haven't watched like any of the Luther stuff Um, Mm. I just yeah I've I don't have a TV license, so I don't watch regular TV, so I don't get iPlayer or anything like that. So right. I'm sure I'd probably Luther's on Netflix, I'm guessing, but um, so many things to watch and just not enough time, so I'm just going to waste time re-watching things I've already seen. Uh, and then moving swiftly on, um, so the next one uh, I went to see at the cinema uh, was the Super Mario Brothers movie. My army! Soon we will destroy the Mushroom Kingdom! Nervous? I fear nothing. You wanna do this? It is on like Donkey Kong! Cool raccoon suits! Really? Not at all! Buckle up! Here we go! (laughs) Only in theaters April 5th. Uh, so this was mainly driven by the fact that my daughter wanted to go and see it. She's absolutely obsessed with Super Mario. Um, and, yeah, we went to uh, to the cinema to see this. She absolutely loved this film. She applauded at the end. She was up and down in her seat the whole way through. Um, and I was just gushing at this film. I thought it was brilliant. It was done exactly right. It had the right tone. It had all of the right in-jokes for people who have grown up with Mario from its inception. It had all the beats, the score, had all the little nods to the early games, you know, through to the the sort of Nintendo 64 era and the GameCube and Wii and all that sort of thing. It had references to absolutely everything, so it kept everybody who has any semblance of knowledge about Super Mario, kept them engaged, and it's funny... Jack Black as Bowser is just amazing. Even Chris Pratt 
as as Mario um, and I think Charlie Day is Luigi. I think if I remember rightly. Okay, I'm gonna have to look that up. I do like Charlie mm-hmm. Day. Uh, and the amazing Anya Taylor Joy as uh, as Peaches mm. or Princess Peach, um, but it's just it's just a hell of a lot of fun, even if you know you've not got kids or you know you just want to take your brain out for an hour and a half. It's very svelte an hour and a half. It doesn't outstay its welcome at all. It's got references to the the, the Mario universe, even Mario Kart. It it you know my my daughter I think the week after used some of her saved up money to go and buy Mario Kart for a Switch um, and then got absolutely uh, shocked when I beat her at every single round of, of Mario Kart. I'm like, I'm, I'm old school. I played this in 1992. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't I can't say enough good things about it. I loved it. It's brilliant. Yeah, brilliant that's film. what I've heard. Um, that it, it, It's just, you know, it's enjoyable fun if you're a fan of Mario then, you know, if you're a fan, you will be serviced. Yeah, and we're going to move on to a couple of, a couple of films here that that really took me by surprise um, of how much... Well, one of them, how much I enjoyed it, and one of them, how much I didn't hate it. Uh, so the first one uh, being Chris McKay's Renfield. Mm. I am Dracula. Renfield, you will make a very good assistant. <laughs> I work for Dracula. What? You're like the guy that gets the villain's postmate. Let's see. I do other stuff too. Like what? Wash his cape? No, that's dry clean only. I attend to his needs, especially during daylight hours. You okay? No. Renfield. Is it yummy? Yes. Rated R, April 14. So this is a modern retelling of uh, the Dracula story. Uh, Dracula, played by Nicolas Cage, is... Uh, has moved to the United States, uh, followed by his uh, his familiar, his servant uh, Renfield, played by Nicholas Holt, uh, who seems to be doing a bit of a Hugh Grant impression in this mm. film, which is a little bit distracting. Mm. Um, but basically, um, he wants to inscri- escape the um, the employ of of Dracula. He doesn't want to be his familiar anymore. He doesn't want to do his bidding. <laughs> He doesn't want to offer up these these virgins to him. He wants to get away, and it's all told through these basically like, like AA yeah. AA meetings. He goes to them, and it's it's about him being uh, in a toxic relationship with Dracula, which obviously he is. It's just an interesting way to tell the story. Um, but it's I must admit I heard about this film and I thought that sounds interesting. Then I saw the trailer and I thought that looks shit. <laughs> and then I thought I'm going to watch the film anyway because I'm a big mark for Dracula mm. and 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 anything based around that because it's one of my favourite books and I always like the interpretations that or I'm interested in the interpretations that people put onto Dracula and it was just a massive big bag of fun. It was yeah. so off the wall. There's loads of little in jokes about Dracula and vampire lore uh, that just made me giggle. There's off the wall violence, um, big action set pieces that are just amazing, um, and really good performances. Even Nicolas Cage being, you know, as campy as he can be, as as Dracula, it's it's really fun. So much fun. Mm. If you like, if you can put up with a lot of gore, there is a lot of gore in this film. There's some really 
really uh, gnarly scenes, gnarly effects in this film, but it's well worth a watch. It's only 93 minutes as well, so again, doesn't outstay its welcome. It's just a svelte, fun little action horror comedy. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely probably going to watch this when it comes onto streaming because like you, um, I was kind of like, wasn't really interested in it and I watched the trailer and I still wasn't mm-hmm. interested in it but then I've heard that like it's actually really good and people don't understand why it got a lot of hate because I don't think it did very well at the box office and I think some people gave it some bad reviews but actually it's supposed to be quite good um, and I do like Nick Cage and I quite like Nicholas Holt as well um, so I would, I'll probably be watching this definitely uh, so then, reasonably close to that, I watched. Um, so this one was was more of the opposite. I watched the trailer and thought, "This looks like a big bag of shite." And it popped up, and I just had the opportunity to sort of watch it, and I thought, "I'll watch it." And I didn't hate it nearly as much as I thought I would. Mm. And that is Julius Avery's The Pope's Exorcist. Bring me the There's a case that needs your attention. The church has put this demon before. The Vatican covered it up. Why? You've been playing a neutral cafe. You're digging too deep. Who will defend you? My faith does not require defense. The Pope's Exorcist, rated R, in theaters April 14th. (laughs) Now, when I watched the trailer for this, it looked like schlock. Like... Awful stuff, it, like some sort of fucking, I don't know, Blumhouse, but on steroids, terrible piece of crap. It is and it isn't. It's very much a film of two halves. Mm. It's Russell Crowe, and the obviously it's the story of Father Gabriel Amorth, who is who was the one of the inspirations for The Exorcist, um, and he was, quote-unquote, the Pope's exorcist. He was the official big man in terms of exorcisms within the Vatican. Um, and obviously you take anything that he says at a pinch of salt there is a very not great documentary called The Devil and Father and Morph with William Friedkin um, which is a very bad documentary and it is basically just a guy who just comes across as a bit of a mental um, broke my uh, heart telling telling his stories (laughs) it's it's Half of this film is very serious and it takes itself very seriously about possession and, fa- you know, family being affected by possession. Um, but the other half of it, the the Russell Crowe parts of it, are very tongue-in-cheek and he doesn't play it seriously. There are parts towards the end where he maybe plays it a bit more seriously and it's it's it, it tries to ramp up the tension and the dread and everything else. But, yeah, that's, I think, it's not a great film at all, you know. I'm not going to sit here and say it's the best film of the year and it's it's an underrated classic or anything like that. It's not. It's a bad film, but it just shocked me how much I enjoyed it mm. compared to my expectations, really, because his performance, his Italian accent, is about as good as his Greek accent in um, Thor: Love and Thunder, um, but. It's very playful and it's very, um, it's quite an endearing performance from Russell Crowe, to be honest. There's not really anybody, uh, anybody else who's, who's 
overly uh, famous in this film, apart from maybe Franco Nero, who plays the Pope, um, who most people may know as the original Django, or, uh, oh God, what's the villain's name in Die Hard 2? He was the big bad in that, that was in the uh, transport. Oh, es- es- is it Espinosa or Esperanza? Something like that. Esperanza, yeah. Esperanza, yeah. yeah, that's it. Um, so he's in it as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's a basic sort of exorcism story. Again, it's not too bad in terms of runtime. It's an hour and forty minutes, I think, something like that. Mm. But it's it's worth a look if you've got if you've got that amount of time to to just um, have a bit of fun, I suppose, and see a bit of. Uh, it's not anything you've not seen before in in an exorcism film. Yeah. Well, I wasn't interested at all, and when I watched the trailer, I was like, oh, God, this looks awful. But I didn't realise that it was directed by that Julius Avery, which I do like because the only film of his that I've seen, apart from his short film, was um, Overlord, which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've yeah. told, now, you know, I've said to you before how much I love that. And um, so that kind of had me interested a little bit. Um, so maybe if it comes on a streaming platform, I might be tempted to give it a go. Um <laughs> There is, it is, it does be, it is a bit sort of, it's somewhere between the, the the exorcism side of the story is somewhere between the exorcist and Evil Dead. It's very, mm. um, the voice of the demon is uh, Ralph Innocent, who was um, in various different things. He was Finchy in The Office. Okay. Um, so you've got this very sort of northern um, demon, <laughs> which is a little bit off point. Um, Hey up, ducky! And that, <laughs> your mother sucked cocks in hell. <laughs> I'll swallow thee soul, I tell thee. <laughs> Love it. Um, and then I've only got two more to sort of throw towards yeah. you here, and um, and big recommends really. Two of them, for, well, both of them for different reasons. Both superhero movies. The first one being um, James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. The Guardians of the Galaxy have no place in my world. Kiss your mom with that face. Oh, no. Some corners of the universe consider him God. It's a face-off. I guess we'll die trying. Decided I try and ain't our thing no more. Going to the Galaxy Volume 3, Rated PG 13. Get tickets now. Now, this is the anomaly since Endgame uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This film is fucking amazing. Mm. It's one of the best Marvel films, I would say, ever. There is a lot in, there's a good chunk of it that's nothing that you've not seen before from a Guardians of the Galaxy film. You know, lots of comedy, lots of laughs. Lots of action, uh, lots of one-liners, but what this has in absolute spades is emotion. Mm. It's a very, very, very emotional film. Uh, so much so that I, I choked up at least twice during this film, maybe three times. It's the perfect ending to a trilogy. It centers around the Guardians. Uh, obviously, at uh, this point in time, they've or. Star Lord Peter Quill's lost uh, Gamora. Um, she sort of reappeared, but it's not the same Gamora. 
So he's he's going through this sort of heartbreak of losing the person that he loves. The rest of the Guardians are sort of struggling to, to find their own identity and keep him happy. And then the main driving force of this film was the backstory of Rocket Raccoon and how he became this genetic um, thing, really. And there's this whole backstory. He gets injured at the start of the film. Um, and the whole premise of the film then is to to try and save him and it's intertwined with these um really you know heart-wrenching scenes of, of of how he was created from being just a normal raccoon and being experimented on and becoming this genetic um sort of cyborgy hybridy type creature and the other creatures that were experimented on and, and his, his friendship with them and yet I just can't recommend it enough. Mm. Totally heartbreaking in places. Uh, it's just great laughs, great tension. Uh, it's probably a little bit overlong, at nearly three hours. Mm. But again, you've got a great performance from Dave Batista, who's always just nails it as 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 Drax. Chris Pratt puts in a great performance as well. See the 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 vocal work of of Bradley Cooper as Rocket. And every, well, just every, there's not, a, there's not a, a loose performance in it really, mm. in terms of the Guardians. But you've got the the really standout performance in this film is, um, I'm going to absolutely butcher his name here, but Chukwudi uh, Iwuji, who plays the high evolutionary, who's the big bad of this film, and he is fucking epic in this. He's absolutely. You just want to reach into the screen and just fucking kill this bastard. He is horrible. He is just evil, but in the most sort of interesting way of, of, of what he's doing. You know, he wants to create this perfect society, and that comes from experimenting on these poor defenseless creatures. There's obviously a lot of, um, you know, ties, a lot of. Uh, 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 inspiration to, to things like Peter and Hannibal Welfare and things like that. There's a lot of that in this film. Um, but his performance is just amazing. I hope that they manage to bring him back into the universe somehow, basically. That's not too much of a spoiler. But if they are going to recast the Kang character and give Jonathan Majors the boot, they need to give it to this guy because he was fucking brilliant in this film. You've also got this this sort of subplot with Will Poulter, who plays Adam Warlock as well, which is really funny. He's this sort of he's this birthed um, perfect creature, perfect organism, but he's been birthed too quickly, so he's basically dumb as fuck, but he's extremely powerful um, and just sort of sort of nails it really, and a lot of different. Um, little bit performances as well in this film um but it's just great it's just great a lot of fun a lot of action a lot of comedy um and if you don't nearly cry at least once during this film then you're not human well i i do want to watch this unlike like i said earlier that i'm not a big fan of superhero movies but i kind of give these movies a pass because it's james gunn and i feel like he has such a unique style and vision like i kind of see them as their own film series that i kind of mm -hmm. i know they are intertwined into the avengers and all that sort of stuff but i do like really enjoy um the guardians of the galaxy movies they're just they're very fun and i think james gunn is a really interesting director and 
Um, I don't think he's made a bad film, really. Um, I love that no. he's got. He comes from that like um, trauma background, so he's like, yeah, very dark sense of humor and violence and all that sort of stuff. But he's. I'm 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 actually really excited to see what he's going to do with the, the DC universe. I think yeah. it could be quite interesting. I think and it so. Already sounds like it's going to be. I think so, and I think uh, like I'm not into the politics of the the superhero stuff, but I feel like. DC needed a, a reset. Like they've started yeah. on a bad foot and then it all gone off. And I think that's one of the reasons why Shazam maybe didn't do so well is because, you know, are people interested yeah. in going to see a film that you're definitely not going to get a sequel or this stuff is redundant yeah. now. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I do really, really want to see guardians three. Um, I'm guessing it's probably going to be on Disney plus in the next couple of months. So, as soon as yeah. it is, I'll be I'll be giving that a watch. Um, and like, and the, but the biggest the biggest disappointment with this film is that it's the first time that an f bomb's been dropped in a Marvel film, and it's completely wasted. Yeah. Absolutely wasted. It comes at a point you think, well, if, if you're gonna use, if you're gonna say fuck or fucking or whatever, yeah, in a in a film, you know, in this kind of film. You've got to make it worth it, and it just doesn't make it worth no. it. And without spoiling that, um, <laughs> I'll not say where it comes up, but it could have come up in a better place and yeah. a more obvious place for the Guardians of the Galaxy, okay. and it just doesn't. But it's, it, I can't recommend it enough. It's probably one of my favourite films of the year. Okay. Well, I'm definitely looking uh, forward to seeing it. Uh, and then finally, I've got one more for you, which is the, my most recent watch, and I watched this actually this morning. Mm. Um, I went to the cinema to watch it, and that is Andy Muschietti's yes. The Flash. I went back in time to save my mom. And I completely destroyed history. You changed the future. You changed the past. Uh, so I went to watch this film based on one thing really and one thing only and that was the fact that it's got Michael Keaton uh, returning as the Batman I think that's probably why a lot of people are going to go but and I wasn't expecting too much from this film but maybe not quite as much as Guardians of the Galaxy but I fucking loved it I thought this was one of the best DC films in this DC DCEU I think they call it extended universe I thought it was laugh out loud, loud funny in many, many places. Um, I'll start this mini review by just obviously pointing out the elephant in the room. Um, Ezra Miller, uh, they've obviously uh, <laughs> caused a lot of controversy in the last year. This film yeah. has been sat almost in development hell for the last three years, I think. Um, it was originally going to go out beginning of lockdown from what i remember um and obviously they've had a, a lot of issues with the law and their mental health and things like that and i'm not gonna totally brush over that um mm. but this is the kind of film where you have to sort of think about their um their <sighs> their troubles and um, sort of put them to one side because they do put in a really good performance playing a dual role he's basically the story of, of, of Barry Allen 
uh, who's sort of stuck in a rut with sort of cleaning up the um, a lot of the problems for the the Justice League, and he's sort of brought in to do the um, the, the dirty work, really. Um, and there's this backstory about his his father, who's imprisoned um, for killing his wife, which he didn't do. And and Barry Allen basically figures out that if he moves fast enough, he can he can uh, enter the enter the multiverse basically uh, and step out of it at various points in time. It's it, and it yeah it is another multiverse movie in in terms of of, of, of superhero films. Uh, we've not been short of those for the last two years. Uh-huh. Um, but it does it does things that are different, and it does things that are a little bit more interesting. There's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of, of, of very knowing lines in this film, and the story keeps you captivated. It's 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 nearly two and a half hours, but I don't remember checking my watch, which is normally a sign of when something loses you. Uh. Um, but it's lots of fun. It's over the top, vastly over the top. There's this opening sort of scene um, with a collapsing hospital and babies falling out of the sky which is completely bonkers but it's so much fun um and then you obviously reintroduce it's not a spoiler because it's in most of the trailers to um michael keaton's version of the batman um but you get all of those beats with that as well you get the danny elfman score you get the original batmobile all those things and it's just so it's there's so much fan service, but it doesn't feel forced. Oh. It feels quite... I've heard it described as, as very much of a love letter to the DC fans, and it is very much that. Um, there are parts of this film that will really... Uh, you'll reap the rewards if you're a big fan of DC and you know about the history of the films and the filmmaking and the projects that were maybe not not fulfilled uh, when it, came, it comes to things like Batman and Superman. Um, if you know the history of, of Batman in cinema or DC in cinema or television as well, you'll you'll pick up all those references. And yeah, it's it's it was just a tremendous amount of fun. Really enjoyed it. It shocked me how much I enjoyed it outside of, of seeing Michael Keaton as Batman again. I would say it the only thing it really suffers with is that it, it could have gone even further, I think. Mm. If it had done that a little bit more, I think a lot of the choices that were made clearly to take away uh some of the screen time and the um uh the the focus on 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 Ezra Miller and and to really try and and counteract uh, the problems that, that they've had in in their personal life um which is is quite obvious but I would recommend it to yeah. to anybody it was a tremendous amount of fun yeah. okay um, I don't know if I'm sold. Uh, I'm not. <sighs> Maybe I don't know. Like I said to you, I'd probably watch the Michael Keaton Batman stuff on YouTube when it comes out, uh, or something <laughs> like that. Just because, like, we both probably grew up with Michael Keaton as Batman. That's our Batman. Yeah. Uh, it was for me when I was a kid. Uh, I had that on video and I watched it all the time. It was fucking great. And I like Batman Returns as well. I still think that's great. Um, so that has my interest a little bit. Um, and I do like Andy Michet as well. Uh, I really liked It and Mama. So I do like him as a director. But may- maybe, maybe, I don't know. It Maybe, maybe. <laughs> Just out of morbid curiosity, I might I might watch it. 
And there are a couple of really off-the-wall cameos in this film as well, which mm. are just a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, that that about sort of wraps it up, really. That's that's okay. everything I think I can I can think of that I've watched this year. Is there anything that you're looking forward to for the rest of the year, um, film-wise? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think there's still um, I'm still looking forward to Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I've heard not very good things about it, but I will um, I will definitely be uh, taking part in that. Yeah, just because. Okay. Um, I'm quite interested to see Oppenheimer. Yes. I um, saw the trailer for that, I think, when I went to see Guardians of the Galaxy. And that does look interesting, although it is three hours long. Mm. Which could be a, a bit of a trek. I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think Christopher Nolan's always a safe bet. I know they may be a bit long, but from a filmmaking standpoint, I think they're always well-made films. Um, good performances. I still haven't seen Tenant though. That's... I just haven't no, got around to watching that. I don't know why, but Oppenheimer looks good. I saw, uh, I saw uh, somebody put a, a comment on the YouTube uh, for the trailer, and it was like, "This is like the Avengers, but for nerds, for scientists." It's <laughs> <laughs> like, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's probably true." Um, so yeah, that, that that definitely does look good, and I'm very excited about Dune Part Two or Dune Two, whatever it's called, Dune. Mm. Um, yeah. I enjoyed that one, so I like Denny. So definitely, that Barbie. looks good. Um, Barbie. I'm me- quite interested yeah. to see what this film is going to be because it, it's it's not overly clear from the trailers what exactly it's trying to do. But, I've not actually watched um, any trailers for it. I don't know. I know it's obviously a Barbie movie, but is it for adults or is it for kids? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. I like Ryan Gosling. Um, now that I've seen the trailer, I've got no interest in watching the Meg 2. Me neither. I'm slightly curious about the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film, the Seth Rogen sort of animation, Mutant Mayhem. Yeah. I've seen the trailer for that a couple of times. Um, Last Voyage of the Demeter, definitely want mm, to see yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, that I'm interested. Yeah, definitely. And we both like Dracula, so... Dracula. Uh, I know where the bastard sleeps. <laughs> There's Expendables 4 coming out, which I'm not really overly bothered about either. Yeah, I saw the trailer yeah. for that. It, it looks awful. Uh, I've got Craven the Hunter, which seems to have just dropped out of nowhere. That's coming out in October, which is another Marvel Sony film, I think, that one, though. Um, All right. David Gordon Green's no. Exorcist. Which, no again, way in I, hell. I've heard... I've heard very shit things about. I think that's dropped at a few festivals, and they're like, "No, yeah. it's terrible." Saw X again. That's yeah. come out of nowhere as well. Always interested to see another Saw film. Uh, and the Marvels, which is the next Marvel uh, offering, um, I'm quite keen to see that. Uh, it looks quite interesting from the trailer. Um, I enjoyed Miss Marvel, the series that was on uh, Disney Plus. Ghostbusters. Yeah. Firehouse, I think it's called. Yeah. Which could be interesting. I mean, Afterlife was okay. It wasn't. Yeah, it was very terrible. Very it wasn't safe, brilliant. wasn't it? They didn't really do anything yeah. different. It was like a remake of Ghostbusters, really. Uh, you got Timothy Charlemagne playing Wonka. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Wait till you watch Bones and Alls. I fell in yeah. love with Timothy Charlemagne in that. To be fair, I, I do like him. He's a good actor, but I just I, I don't know. I'm not really bothered about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I've got no interest in watching Aquaman. No. And the Lost Kingdom. 
didn't like the original one of that, and that's about it for 2023. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think for me, just Dune, um, Oppenheimer, I'm excited for. Um, I think that's about it, until something comes out of the woodwork that I haven't heard of, and I see the trailer and it looks good, maybe. Um, yeah, that's about it. Cool. Oh, and there's a new Mission Impossible, well, isn't there, this year? Oh, I couldn't give a shit about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I couldn't either. Cut. Tom Cruise can fuck off. Yeah, cut to the uh, cut to the clip of Family Guy where they figure out why Tom Cruise runs in all of his movies. Wow, that cameraman has nice strong arms. You can't catch me, gay thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Yeah. So, would you, what um, what would you say is is your highlight of the year so far? I would definitely say that Dungeons and Dragons was a real big surprise. Um, because it had been a long time since I'd seen a film that had surprised me and was just sort of like that, reminded me of a, like a childhood movie that was just, you know, a fun adventure romp um, that was just, you know, fast-paced. It was great. The characters were really fun and it had a lot of laughs and I really enjoyed it. So Dungeons & Dragons was definitely um, a highlight for me. Uh, I'd probably have to say Evil Dead Rise, um, even though I know I maybe talk shit about it for a little <laughs> bit. Um, but I still... I still enjoyed it. I think Lee Cronin did a really good job directing it. There were some really nice little set pieces. Um, the acting was fine. I just, I still think that um, Elisa Sutherland, I think was her name, who played the the main Deadite yeah. mom. I thought she was like fantastic. She was the absolute star. Uh, she was scary. The way her body moved and the things she did was creepy. She had some really creepy lines and stuff like that. And the gore was always fun and the you know, yeah. it was. I, I I really enjoyed it. It was one of those sort of movies um, that I just love it when it's set in one location, even though it sort of had a bookend, uh, like a little bit at the start and a little bit at the end, which I think didn't really need it. Whether that was like a studio yeah. thing, like we need to have a cabin in the woods because it's Evil Dead. Yeah, I, I feel like it didn't need Ooh. it. Um, so even though the little things that bugged me, they weren't massive. I still enjoyed it. It was an Evil Dead movie. It was fun, um, scary, gruesome. Um, yeah, I, I would say probably so far, Evil Dead Rise. Um, okay. Until I see something better, which probably will happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd it'd be a bit of a a triple header for me, really. Pearl, The Whale, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Yeah. I'd, I'd struggle to choose between those. I do want to. I do want to see Pearl. I do want to see Pearl. They're all my top recommendations for the year so far. Definitely. Um, okay. So, uh, thank you very much for coming back from the dead, and not taking a cheese grate grate to my leg. You're welcome. Uh, at least, um, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you back, Liam. Thank you. It's always a pleasure to talk with you, Peter. I'm sorry it's been so long, um, but life gets busy and hectic and i know you're very busy and but it's always nice to to have a chat with you about movies you're my brother from another mm -hmm. mother and i love talking to you about movies my friend so anything that you want to to, to push or how people can get in touch with you or anything like that or do you just want them to leave you alone yeah pretty much um i like to be left alone um i don't have social media uh, i got rid of all of that mm, i I'm trying to be productive and do stuff, which isn't going very well. 
But, you know, <laughs> the thought's there. The thought is there. So hopefully yes. by the end of the yes, year, I, I will have some stuff done that maybe I would like to share with you. But um, at the minute, I'm just happy watching movies. Um, but I would recommend people that they like the Facebook page, follow you on Twitter, um, send you emails for suggestions for stuff or recommendations or anything like that. Get in touch with Pete. Um, if you want to be a guest host on the show, um, he's always welcome to that. I think it's really cool, like the dynamic that you've got going at the minute is that like every show is different, and you're giving people who maybe listen to the pod a chance to be on it and sort of you know listen to different opinions. And I just think that's really good because there's so many podcasts out there that just have the same people talk about the same stuff all the time. And I just think it's um, I think it's really interesting what you're doing is just having anybody on to talk which i think is really fun mm. you know it's a gamble yeah. but i think you know it's it's worth doing that i you know because the whole thing that why we wanted to start doing a podcast mainly you was you know because we love movies so much and the way yeah. our friendship started was we were just two people talking about movies and that was like an instant friendship then and like I, you know there's something about movies that bring people together it's that whole communal experience and, yeah you know we may have different opinions but you know as long as everybody's respectful you know we can have a good time talking about films because they are art and they're um important i think you know and it's nice you know yeah. to have that connection when you speak to somebody about a film that you enjoy you know or recommending things you know it's it's great yeah, so really. Yeah, definitely. That yeah. would be my my thing. If anybody's listening to this, um, please get involved and you know leave a comment and like the Facebook and everything like that. Just you know get involved. You know he wants yeah, to hear from thanks, you. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Not a problem, mate. Not a problem. I, lo- I love what you're doing. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. You're welcome. I'll s- I'll send you a check in the post. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it just leaves me to say thank you once again to Liam and for me to say goodbye and for Liam to say... Come get some.